big sky, big potential. This is Eastern Promise. Welcome to episode 64 of the Eastern Promise podcast, where the huge potential of the East of England is beaming direct to you, wherever you are. Stand ready for opportunity galore. Across our region, our local shop is a white and green beacon of delight. But convenience stores are only one part of what the East of England Co-op does in and for our communities. And who better to ask than my guest, Doug Field OBE, Chief Executive of the East of England Co-op. Doug will be sharing how the East of England Co-op has embedded its core values in everything it does. And finally, dinner is served. But who in our region do you want as your dream dinner party guests? Let's check the play settings for some crowd sorcery. In certain political circles, it's become fashionable to sneer at companies that hold true to strong values. But how much richer, more vibrant and cherished are values-based businesses who put themselves at the heart of their communities? Or, as my guest today, Chief Executive of the East of England Cooperative, Doug Field OBE, put it far more succinctly, do the right thing, even when no one's looking. To find out more, I met Doug at the East of England Co-op's HQ at Worsted Park in Suffolk. Dougfield OBE, Chief Executive of the East of England Co-op. Doug, it is a pleasure to welcome you to Eastern Promise. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure to be here. Really enjoy it. Looking forward to it. Just give us, if you would, please, uh, the potted history of Dougfield. Okay, so born in East Yorkshire or Humberside, as it then was, in the shadow of the Humber Bridge. So in a little town called Beverley, lived right literally in the shadow of the Humber Bridge. Um, went to university in North Wales, got a job in Cheltenham, working for an accountancy firm, moved to Bristol, moved to Bristol for an accountancy firm, a big one, PwC, had some really interesting mm. clients, including Dyson, um, and a whole mix and range, did a bit of overseas travel as part of that. Then left sort of practice, joined a, a professional business services firm with a sort of central service office in Milton Keynes. Met someone from East Anglia, ended up in East Anglia. Do you know, I wonder, doing a straw poll, the number of people who said, met someone from Norfolk, Suffolk, Cambridge, Essex, and ended up here, because that's, that's what happened to me. That's what happened to uh, my, my sister-in-law's husbands and partners. It's, it's a very common story, I think. But, but it's also excellent. really interesting, isn't it, Mike? Because I would never have been here, because it, it's the unexplored bit. But now I'm here, I don't want to move. Exactly. But it's like that untapped potential of the area is, is frightening. The beaches of North Norfolk, the, co the Suffolk coast, it is it's priceless. And yet it's not, not well known. 
Well, indeed. And well, hopefully this is this is what we're going to start to change and to shout about what we have here uh, and with with people. I know people all across the world uh, listening in Wales. Apparently, my little widget now tells me it's it's they've slowly on the back podcast widget expanded it. So you can see, for example, there's quite a, a, in the US, there's listeners steady. Uh, most of our listeners are in Virginia and California. Wow. Um, and it's finally got to the UK. Uh, but that's only at nation level. So I can see it's in, obviously England's the vast majority and Wales. I was like, well, hey, that's brilliant. Great news. Um, for those who don't know, I'm, I mean, I'm from the Northwest. So I grew up, my parents taking me to the CWS store in Lee. Yeah. Um, for everything. Um, and, you know, my grandparents were buried in co-op funerals. Um, it's just, I'm familiar with it. But for those who don't know, what is a cooperative society? Well, a co-op is a way of doing business. Um, a cooperative society is different to a limited company. It's owned by its members. And we've got over 200,000 members in in the region who um, support us. And we're a combination of businesses. So there's retail cooperatives, which are the ones you see, the food stores, the funeral branches. But there's a whole stream of cooperatives. John Lewis Waitrose is a cooperative, employee-owned cooperative. All Lots of champagne growers in France are cooperatives as well. Yeah, we. So, as are some of the fruit producers, there's agricultural cooperatives, two big ones in our region, family and farmers, Anglia farmers. Anglia, I was going to say Anglia farmers. Um, and then, but there's a lot of independent retail cooperatives. So, the CGWS you mentioned, that is now through a history of mergers co-op group. They've got their headquarters in Manchester and they're the largest retail cooperative in our... They're the blue the, ones, The they? blue ones, yeah, at the moment, yeah. And then there's a number of other corps. Central Corp, they took over Anglia Regional and they're across the centre of the England. There's mid counties, Lincolnshire, Chelmsford Star, um, and there's the East of England Corp. So not all corps have all the same businesses. So a lot of us have food and funeral businesses. Not all have funeral businesses now with the regulation. We've also got a travel business, which is a consortium along with mid counties. Uh, we've got petrol filling stations, mm. we've got a stonemasonry business. And yeah, so a number of other little sort of businesses who've got a, our own distinct family of businesses. Mm. I mean, what's what's many people will know um, the stores, especially if you've come back to Norwich Station late at night, yeah. and there it is, the last the last shop standing with hot food and and, and, and drinks and, and chocolate and desperate times, uh, and you, you can find what you need there. And you've answered my second question already. Now, cooperatives stand out really uh, as a values based business. Absolutely. So what? are the values that you see the East of England Corp as embodying. And just to come back on your previous point, having travelled, I travel regularly to the Midlands and I don't see an organisation, a co-op, with the same visibility that the green and white of the East of England Co-op has. So congratulations, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, But what are the values that the East of England Co-op embodies? Well, going back to your original question about cooperatives, there's 10 cooperative values and principles which we've disseminated into four more everyday ones. We want to be stronger together. We want to be unstoppable. We want to be a place for people to grow and we want to do the right thing. So there's the four values that we've disseminated our cut values and principles into the everyday, trying to get into the everyday life of our colleagues. And the do the right thing is about doing the right thing even if nobody's watching. Yeah. So it's not about the greenwashing that some other businesses do. It's all about literally you know, doing it because it's the right thing to do. I mean, that I've read your annual report and that really does come through loud and clear. And, and I'll hopefully we'll come on. We'll come on to that. Um, actually, you know, how would you say, how would you say uh, in the day to day, 
that the various businesses, because you've got, you've got a security firm as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, how would you say that the co-op family, the East of England co-op family, embody those values on a day-to-day basis? Um, well, we're, we're working hard and um, wish we'd chosen a different room for this interview because we've a door on the wall. Um, <laughs> we've got a, um, but no, we're trying to work hard to get those examples. We're trying to bring it into the day-to-day life, promote those areas about working together. So trying to be work cross-functionally, be um, look at the everyday, get people out in stores, looking at what's happening in the real thing. So we've changed changed some of our central food operations team have now got people who've worked in store more than just people who are sit behind a computer screen. We're trying to have fun at work. So we're trying to, we did a um, big thing for the coronation. One of our regional leaders even did a union jack on his bald head, which was, it was brilliant. And I had a bowler hat ready for the weather okay. in case it rained. So we're doing everything to be, have fun at work. We want to widen our membership appeal. And to do that, we've got to embody all those four values. And yet we want to grow our business. And I think that growth is, is the oxygen that you for businesses and um we want to be a place for people to go and to do that we've got to have a successful region as well i think you what you're this comes up a lot when i'm talking to various people in the east of england it came up when i interviewed doctors ben little and dr johanna forster about the uea university of east anglia civic university and they described it to me and i'm going to say to you what i said to them what you have described there in, in particular i'm thinking about doing the right when even though no one's looking is leadership it's how it's how leadership certainly how leadership should be that you do the right thing regardless of what it means for you and just ask you to invite you to reflect on that because i'm just really struck by what you've said and 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 how that embodies leadership not just your leadership but the the leadership of the east of england co-op in the in the various spheres that you operate no i think that's important i think leadership is 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 fundamental now. I think the leadership model has changed, and I think over time, from when I started my career many years ago, and I suppose I should have said I started my first job was in a convenience store in East in West Hull. So, in a yeah. So, but I think these days it's my role. I see is very much to improve the daily lives of our colleagues and customers by inspiring people to be the best they can be. And I think it's summed up by um, as a going back to my northern roots, a rugby league player. Kevin Sinfield, and he said, I always felt my job was to help people be better than they believe. I think that's what leadership is these days. I think that's really Absolutely. Important. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the, the things I want Eastern Promise to embody is that we are much stronger, much wiser, much braver than we think we are. As a region, we've got our own individual capabilities and weaknesses. Norfolk, Suffolk, uh, Essex, Cambridgeshire, but put those all together and find a way. You know, you can't you can't fit a jigsaw together every single in through yeah. every. You've got to find the right fit. But once we've done that, we just can unlock something very special. But you talk about uh, your members and membership organisations take various forms. But what's what's the model that the East of England Co-op operate? So um, we're continually looking at our membership proposition to make sure it's relevant for the modern for the modern day. At the moment, your the membership proposition is the more you spend, the more you earn. So we pay a dividend based on your purchasing, not on your shareholding. Everyone gets a share. Everyone's got a right to vote in the elections. We just had a load of local elections and we've got our annual members meeting on the 18th of May. And then we'll have director elections and all our directors are democratically elected. We've had over four and a half thousand votes to date. We're hoping to get over 5,000 when we get to the election. So a reasonable turn out given the size of our organisation in the region. 
Now, you can stop me if this is an inappropriate question, but it surely cannot be a unique observation that you have, according to the annual report, um, two directors named Fox and Chicken. <laughs> I know, yeah, we do, we do laugh at that. One of them was... One of them hasn't always been a fox, but... Uh, no, well, named but, um, Yeah, name changed, but yeah, and unfortunately, Mrs Fox is, is um, leaving at the end of this year. Her term oh. is up, so, yeah, so well, we won't have a chicken and a fox anymore. Well, I hope the, the chicken family invite her to dinner so she oh, can no, be a they, fox yeah, no, very much so. amongst the chickens. Um, and on that, <laughs> on that note, I want to just draw attention to the work that, that is highlighted in the annual report about... Uh, your progress on particularly carbon dioxide reduction, because I know there'll be a lot of people who listen to this podcast who saw Humphrey Hello, who um, <laughs> really feel that sustainability and progress towards net zero is, is so important. Um, and your progress has really been remarkable. 16, uh, I, you know, I do the standard journalistic thing of rounding up, rounding down accordingly, but 16,000 metric tons uh, down to 11,000 metric tons. I mean, you... COVID obviously played a role in that, but you've kept that going. It hasn't jumped back up now. Everything opens back up. It's kept on. You kept on pressing it down. So just can you explain to us how, how, how you've achieved that? Well, it's a lot of hard work. We've got a head of sustainability, Steve, who does a, does a lot of work in this area, along with lots of it. We're trying to embed it throughout the, um, the organisation. So we've managed to, we're talking today, we've had our energy update and we've We've managed to say £17,000 in this building by fixing the aircon to a certain temperature without letting people fiddle <laughs> So over three months. So, so, oh. that's, so that's just in one, one little thing. We've looked at beer fridges when they need to be on. We do – energy is a huge, huge cost for us. It's one of the regions we've made a loss in the last financial year, and we've got to be better at managing it. Mm. We want to be – we want to um, reduce our energy consumption – it's the right, the right thing to do, and you can't. You've got to take it in chunks and bite-sized pieces. And it's like this is this is like building Rome, isn't it? One brick at a time. Yeah. But as a region, I mean, from my time at the LEP, the clean growth region, the opportunities this region has to really supercharge some of this stuff, build some of the infrastructure that the the that can be they can go help globally rather than just thinking about national stuff. I think. Well, uh, I, can, I can't do better than to quote uh, Peter Aldous, the co-chair of the East of England par uh, All-Party Parliamentary Group, who when is also the, the, the Member of Parliament for currently what is Waveney, what will become if, if he's returned the, the lowest off-seat. And he put it thus, um, we are the region that can keep the country's lights on all by ourselves. And I think that's a wonderful thing that we've 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 got that potential that you, you you've you've um, identified so brilliantly there. But I mean, all credit to you for for, for all that hard work because it it's showing. And and that again, we're coming back to to, to being leaders in that field. Um, I'm just you've, you've answered so many questions already. I'm just sitting <laughs> down. Um, so corporately for the East of England Co-op. Um, do you know, I had a challenge writing this, so I turned to shorthand the East of England Cooperative. Um, for the society, what has been the greatest would you challenge, uh, excluding COVID and, along, and the tail um, of COVID, in the last 12 months for the co-op? Financially, the, the biggest challenge has been the increase in energy prices. But I think wider than that and wider than 12 months is the pace of change. The pace that we've got to operate as an organisation, it's relentless. And we've got to get the basics right, and you've got to continually to focus on the basics, but then keep keep trying to keep ahead of the curve, trying to keep twenty moves ahead. So I think that's the the biggest challenge for us and lots of businesses. I think 
try and you can't just focus on the data you can't just focus on the day-to-day you've got to stick your head above the parapet you've got to look around and you've got to make some big bets if you want to grow the organization we've got to look ahead and think right that's where we've got to stick our resources and we don't have unlimitless resources no one does anymore so you've got to be really focused really really think think ahead yeah you've done it again you've done it again look you've answered it already the, the the report also talks about the investment portfolio, which I was quite interested in, yeah. and and just ask you to describe it because it's it's really kind of compensated for what was a you know a small fall in turnover. But what does that portfolio look like, and 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 how you manage that in accordance with your? I mean, I'm not saying it's difficult to do this. I'm just interested to know how it's managed in accordance with co-op principles. So we have 122 million of investment property, and that's a mixture of light industrial units, retail units, commercial units of a wide variety, and also um, residential properties. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, numbers of food stores, sometimes they have flats above. Yeah, yeah. And then there's certain houses that we've developed over time. So we've got about 250 residential properties, houses and flats, and, over, and, a, and about 260, 250 um, in commercial property units. So they generate a rental income of about £9 million. There's a, there's a great team who manages those that property. And then over time, you end up with development sites. So we you know, we used to have some department stores. They needed converting. We converted the department store in Colchester to, to um, flats, foundation house. Um, <clears throat> then we've got rid of the, the, the old department store in Ipswich was sold, and that's going to be a school and some other things. Oh, wow. so, so there's all those property developments as part of that. So... They produce a nice, steady contribution that we can, that helps us fund it, and we do that all sort of, do the right thing. So we make sure we're a responsible landlord, make sure everything's fixed on time, make sure we've got the right sort of, um, yeah, make sure the fire alarms are all in place and go above and beyond sort of things. That's, I mean, that's 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 coming through in, in what we're talking about, and uh, I'm just just curious to ask, and and uh, some might say that I'm bound to ask this given. My, uh, my my backstory, having been involved in, in drafting the, the self-build uh, and uh, custom house building act. Um, have you, has the Eastern Corp considered um, offering members self-build plots and that you can, that you can prepare or, because um, I think that would be lovely. I'm not, I'm not saying I've thought very deeply about it, but it sounds like a lovely thing to do. We haven't, I haven't even crossed my mind to be honest, might be something we can um, look at. We don't have plethora of lots of the development sites we are more industrial and commercial, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, that is an um, interesting um, thought. So, I mean, I just I think just with the principles you 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 you've 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 put across that I would want to yeah, work yeah. with the East of England Co-op on, on on a project like that. But uh, th- that 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 aside, food justice. Tremendously important, tremendously important issue uh, at the moment. I speak as someone. I t- take my daughter to a trampoline class on Tuesday evenings, and until very un- until you know fairly recently, what was in the sports hall immediately before we went in was was a warm bank, and um, that really kind of struck me as as as, as this this can't be right in this day and age. But, you, you know, the, the, the food justice uh, proposition, could you just talk us through why that's so important um, and what the East of England Co-op are, are doing in, in, in what if food justice means to the East of England Co-op? I mean, 
image everything we, we're reliant on our members our customers and our colleagues and we know we're facing a cost of living crisis we've got to be supportive in as many ways as we can i mean we have to remember that we we want to make a positive local impact and to do that we want to use our profit to make a positive local impact so we need to generate profit we're not a charity but we know we need to support our communities so we've got to get the balance right so we've invested over four hundred thousand pound in communities over the last sort of financial year um, food justice is important you know we're a food retailer it's important that we try and support people food and so yeah it's a really important part and it's that and, and funeral poverty as well so we want people to be able to give their loved ones a suitable um a suitable service when they sadly pass away so it's very important to us because our communities and the region is very important to us could you give us a hint about the, the year ahead for the coal because the the, the the annual report kind of drops a few hints about exciting plans ahead well i think we know we've cut we can't sustain the losses we have so we need to we need to invest in our future we want to grow we want to we need to get back to being a profitable organization we've got a plan to do that that involves opening new stores in new areas it involves simplifying some of our operations it includes getting the sort of the basics right so that we can so we can springboard and leapfrog where we are we are seeing some good numbers we are in our food business where we're doing well in terms of volume growth we're, we're getting more than our share of the wallet and that's you know the food the food retail market in the uk is incredibly competitive one of the most competitive in the world mm -hmm. you know we're talking about i mean you can name nearly 10 different re food retails in the in the country all after 70 million pounds worth 70 million people's worth of spend mm -hmm. so it's incredibly competitive so you have to work there we want to invest in our funeral business there's property developments we want to do so we are we're very focused on getting getting back to profitability and then because that means we can do more for our communities it, it really strikes me from what you're saying that the eastern england co-op is a very agile adaptable organization that i don't want to say unsentimental but uh, i suppose practical and that's a really that's a really strong and good trait to have i think in this day and age where a lot of public policy is being decided on uh feelings rather than sound evidence i'm not going into any more detail than that but it sounds like you you you've got your your core values are there and beyond doubt so around those we can be practical we can be nimble does that strike a chord have i got, have I, no, I got yeah, we're, we're working hard to be to get i think we want to be even better at that i think you're right we can be like that we need to get even better we need to be, build capability and that means attracting talent to the region that means dealing with data we're trying to be data-led so we are we are pulling all those strands together i think businesses can be incredibly complicated and they can have lots of competing priorities voices data and it's, it's trying to work our way through those navigating those to get the right answer and it's about it's about um getting the right answer not and I, I can't think of the phrase now about um it's not about being right it's about getting mm. getting it right yeah bs right it's not about being being right all the time it's about getting it right mm -hmm. so we're trying to work hard to do that I'm sure we will mis make mistakes because we're playing to win now and not playing not to lose. I think it's it's uh, we spent more time doing good than feeling good. Yeah, um, kind of thing. Because um, ch a change can be can be uncomfortable. I just want to pull a th on a thread 
um, you, you, you've, uh, you've left dangling. You've teed up for me there. Um, I'm talking about getting in the right people. And it's interesting because this is a conversation that's come up on the podcast. It, it come up in the podcast before, particularly with Nigel Cushion of um, Nelson Spirit. And Nigel's very involved. Uh, if you haven't heard that episode, listener, mm. dear listener, I suggest you go back and listen. It's fantastic. Nigel's brilliant, as is Charlotte Pounder on his team. And talking about home first and encouraging people who've come to the end of their um, sort of A-level, yeah, considering yeah. where they're going to university to perhaps put some time in at home before they, they go off. And, and, and kind of what we got to, and I'll, th- th- there is a point here, bear with me. Uh, the flip side of that is that if you look, and some, some work exists on this, and I have quoted it many times, at returnees, that is students who've gone off to university, made their careers outside our region, East of England, by a long, long way, has the highest number who then come back. And in our case, get brought back along with them. Um, And I know that there's a temptation to frame that as, oh dear, all our young people are going away. And I think there's, and I'm gonna actually reflect on this in a second, but, and I think there's some degree, yeah, but you're never gonna, we're never gonna be able to offer them the, much of the bright lights, big city, apart from, you know, those specific degree courses in the region that, you know, exist in places and those, they've got the virus anyway. Um, but we are benefiting from expensive skills and experience being accrued elsewhere, that people are coming back now for our quality of life. And it's a fantastic thing. So just ask you to reflect on my very long burble about um, making the best out of, uh, out of the fact that, yes, young people want to go away, but what, what, what a magnet we have to pull them back. Well, I think this, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, Mike. I think one of our values, we said, we want to be a place for people to grow, so we want to grow our own, because that's just as important. But you're absolutely right. If they're coming, going away, getting the skills and experience that can help supercharge and turbocharge our business, you know, everyone's got to do what's right for them. And we can't be shoehorning people in or stay in the region. They've got to do what's right for them and they're that stage of life. I think um, high performance is, you know, about doing the best you can with what you've got where you are. And... That's, that, that changes over time, doesn't it? So yeah. I think absolutely people going away, gaining experience, and then a, the key thing is being able to apply, having somewhere to be able to apply it and having that sort of, that scope to be able to apply it and to help grow businesses and grow the region, then absolutely. Mm. So what's the East of England Co-op approach to, to bringing in top talent and a sort of nurturing it and um, taking those skills that, do you ever find, I suppose, do you ever, I'm asking, do you ever find yourself looking at people that, who on, at first glance, might seem um, a curious fit, but you can see something perhaps uh, in them that makes their skill, that, in their skill set that makes them really valuable? I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I think There's you're, a- you're absolutely right. And I think it goes back to a comment we talked about earlier about leadership, isn't it? If you've got good leaders, they can be more flexible and agile. So I think, yes, so we've got to, We've got to work hard. It's certainly not an area that we're, I'd say we're proficient in yet. It's an area we're working on. We want to do the right thing. It's about having, it's all about attitude, isn't it? Mm. And the attitude, the right attitude and the right values, you know, and then, then, then making sure that we learn and evolve. So, you know, we've, I think the funeral business is a great example. We've tried numerous, we've not always brought in funeral people to lead that team because that's not always the way that's going to, deliver the best outcome. So the last couple of funeral people have had very contrasting backgrounds. One's been in a 
food, retail and clothing. One's been in the betting industry, but mm -hmm. they've got people management skills and skills that we will help us accelerate our business. Mm. So yes, being open, being open minded. I think the, um, there's a great Adam Grant book who's read Rethink, which is, is brilliant about just being thinking and how to approach things differently. I mean, we're, we're coming on very, uh, before we get on to, I want to talk, you, you, you indicated a, and I think you've been, it's, it's been a, a theme through what you've been saying about the play to win mindset. And I just want to explore that in a bit depth. But before we do, there's something that jumped out of me at me in the annual report. And I want to ask, what was or what is the co-op guide to dating? Oh, it's a food waste. Um, so food oh. is dating on food products. So it, it went very big, actually. It went global. We were getting requests for, I think my colleague at the time was invest, in, interviewed from New Zealand and got asked to do an Italian interview. So it's about making, explaining how best before and sell, and sell before dates work so that people actually know what they're doing rather than just thinking they do. Mm. I think my, my approach has been, has been uh, best before, it's fine. And used by, give it a sniff, it's probably yeah. fine. Um, but that's not necessarily the best one, but I'll have to look that up because I just thought, yeah. oh, how strange. And, and now I know. Um, so there's a quote that I've just put up on LinkedIn for anyone who cares to look. Um, by a, a, I found it in a, a, as I was looking through and I've sort of printed out his, 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 his blog on this here, on the play to win mindset. And before we do actually scrap that, before we get into sort of Roger Crawford's quote and his various, uh, he's got five, four, sorry, four um, headlines about the play to win mindset. What does the play to win mindset mean to you, Doug Field? It means, um, it means not settling, it means doing your best. It means not avoiding, being prepared to take risks, being prepared to fail, but learning from them. It's about, it's about learning and that sort of learning mindset and looking for areas to improve. Mm. And so how's, how are you embodying that in how you're leading the, the East of England Co-op? Um, it's still very early stages, but very much trying to sort of make sure we've got the right processes, we might got, make sure we've got the right rhythm and routine that we're looking at. Certainly that sort of, you know, it's easy to say to sort of not blame, but you know, someone delivers bad news, it's not their fault. You know, you can't be shooting the messenger, so you've mm. got to live it through your behaviours. And it's, you know, it's, it isn't, is not easy because we are naturally, or I particularly, can be a naturally negative person. I have to work really hard to be more optimistic and things like that. So, mm. but I think I'm doing okay at it. And um, I think it's just about wanting to be grown, it's being curious and wanting to do better, but being prepared to take a risk just because it's the right thing to do. Mm. I think everyone, uh, myself included, gets those sort of times when you just think um, what am i doing um and you you wonder to yourself have i made a terrible mistake but uh, then again you know things th things do turn around but this roger crawford uh, who's a, a, a speaker from the, the usa and his quote is winners spend little if any energy worrying about their weaknesses instead they work on cultivating their strengths now that's something that uh, i had a lady called rena dial rena dial who's a a coach um, the, I was working with the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor, Eastern Promise was working with the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor to produce a series of podcasts. And she was one of the guests that the, the corridor team, the LEP, put forward. And hugely inspirational. And she was sort of describing this to me. Again, go back and, and listen to that one on, on the feed. But um, 
that we get far better results focusing on the strengths of an individual has than worrying about where we're weak and that if we lift lift the strengths then everything will come up along with it absolutely um just actually to reflect on that no that that's really it's, it's a much better answer than i gave because but it's right we want to be the best in convenience retail we know we can win and we've got examples in colchester east harlin need a market and that's what we're focused on that's how part of our route back to profitability we know we can do the same in funerals so it's about being the best and it's about building on our strengths so absolutely building on those capabilities and being that sort of focused on those strengths yeah absolutely right i think one of the downsides of the, of the, 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 the democratic process is that it favors that kind of engagement with what's what's wrong because if you're an opposition party naturally you want to talk about what's wrong but it doesn't necessarily lead to any kind of solution uh you, you, you can certainly try but it's it's i noticed that when it's all everyone comes together that that's when particularly in that sphere and i'm trying to step very carefully here that that, that the solutions really come about uh believe in yourself that's that's one of roger crawford's number one uh to believe in yourself and i think you've already articulated this this brilliantly but again how does doug field believe in himself not actually or how do you help your team believe in themselves? Oh, that, that's different. That's easier. But I think, I think um, <laughs> no, I think you just got to be. I, there's there's some really good stuff. Um, the Microsoft CEO, I can't pronounce his name properly, Satya Nadell. Nadella, he has a really good thing about model coach care, model behaviors you want to see, coach behaviors, and care for the people, and you know, generally caring for people, generally knowing about them really does does help you get to know them. If you get to know them, you can coach them better. So, and they can you can you can know where their strengths are or where their weaknesses and where they need to be pushed and thing and where they you know because a strength can be a weakness, can it? If you if you overplay a strength, that can be to the negative mm. detriment as well. So, and you, you can certainly also reframe, as we talked about earlier, reframe weaknesses into strengths. And I think that's that's something that perhaps the East of England needs to get better at. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, not not everywhere, but and. The next one is, and I, I, I confess I'm not necessarily sure what he means by this, is plan your path. I think and that's, that's kind of what you're trying to do, isn't it, really? Well, I think it is. I think you've got to be, you might want to plan your path, but you've got to be flexible on the route. So we're very much trying to have some serious ambitions about where we want to get to, but recognising that, you know, things, there are obstacles in, in the way, but those obstacles are what, you know, there's a fantastic book called Obstacle is Away by Ryan Holiday. And, you know, life is full of obstacles and it's how you deal with those obstacles that's going to make you whether you get to the end of the path or not mm. yeah i mean it's it, it's really interesting i mean there's there's a certain mindset i think that enjoys i'm i'm someone who's i'm a very much sweating the small stuff person but when it when the the uh the uh excrement collides with the cooling device um that's tend to be where i switch my brain sort of really turns on and i remember the expenses scandal and that morning sort of sat around and I, I said, I kind of felt, I said, so I remember someone doing an interview, is it wrong that I'm really kind of excited and getting my teeth into this? Because it's not great, let's face it, it's not great. It's, it's bad for the country, bad for democracy, bad for it all. Um, but it was like, this is brilliant. Yeah, we can, it's what energises you, isn't it? And mm. about that, that level of energy, harnessing that energy, and people are more, going back to the strengths point, people are more energised by utilising their strengths and having to adapt their weaknesses. Do you, do you ever have an issue with yourself or your, or your, your, your team, whether it's 
you know, the, the, the management team, the, the wider family with, and, and this is something I think we've all got to be, yes, that energy is great, but it isn't, there comes a point when the elastic will has to relax. Yes. It has to, and you can't keep, I mean, that's probably why my career, my career, career first, first life came, came to, my, the first act, should we say, came to a close because the elastic finally snapped. Um, so how do you encourage those under you, your team, your family, um, and I use family in the corporate sense, um, not to, 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 yes, that energy's great, but don't rely on it to carry you through indefinitely. You need to, there needs to be a period of rest, relaxation. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. We, need to, we need to look after yourself first, isn't it? It's the whole oxygen, oxygen mask on the airplane, isn't it? Got to look after yourself, got to be self-care, got to make sure that you're not burning the candle at both ends and all that sustainable stuff. We've got some great programs here about well-being. We've all been on the, we work with Suffolk Mind on that and a program across yes, our organization. So, but yes, you've got to be very focused on that. And I know it's important to me as an individual that I, that I look after myself because you want to be, to be the best you can be, you've got to be looking at that. You've got to be operating at the right level. And if you're not looking after yourself, that's harder to do. So how do you do that? How do you? I'm, I can, I've got, just got some routines. I, I have, I get up particularly early, make sure I do some exercise. I eat relative, most of the time, eat relatively healthily. Um, <laughs> like getting out with the dog at the weekends. I got three young kids, so that keeps me active. Yeah, that'll keep you active. So yeah, but you're just, just conscious of it. And I am trying to develop a sort of a better mindfulness routine, but that I find that harder. It but, is yeah, hard, yeah. but I am. Did, did it manage it this morning? So I'm a little bit more of it, but yeah, I find that a bit harder. But yeah, no. So you just got to, you know, I yeah. think I describe myself as a failed athlete. I always wanted to do sport at school, but I didn't have the physical attributes. And there's loads of stuff about how you're training, but I try and take that sportsman type of approach to performance to myself now in my chosen career. Mm. I mean, uh, it's interesting because it, it's easy to see how some in the in the, the business world see when a member of the team does the extra mile. That doesn't mean then that everything they do from then on is one mile greater. It means that they've made a special effort and that you can't expect them to keep it up. But uh, anyway, um, and I'll value the process. Now, let me just, let me just scroll through and see what, uh, what uh, our friend Roger Crawford here means by value the process, says he. I'll be able to find it. Oh, it's, there's loads of stuff like this, Mike. Go on so, then, go for it. So there's a really famous football co American football coach called Bill Walsh. Who's, um, the Scott, he's got a book called The Score Takes Care of Itself. And it's, and it's all about focusing on the process, not the outcomes. And there's loads of research about this at the moment, I think. So if you focus on the process, the outcomes will take care of themselves. And if, but you, to value the process, you've got to value that rhythm routine. And it's things all about that. And for us, we're describing that as brilliant basics. I mean that's 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 one of the things I enjoy about doing the podcast is that it every week Wednesday. Um, actually, thankfully, I'm ahead of the curve this week. It's already uploaded and ready to go. But um, that process of getting it up on is is kind of so, is is in, in, kind of an important ritual in itself. Um, find your sweet spot. That's about being the best. I think that goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about before about being the best you can be with what you've got. So our sweet spots, convenient food retail, funeral, investment property, um, travel. Yeah, so we, we're, we're trying to describe that sweet spot. And then 
the big challenge for us is getting it embedded across the organization and being able to have that man on the moon conversation with the person sweeping the floor in the space center. Mm. And I, I suppose it's easy to see. What, how do you draw the line between being an ambitious business and being an overambitious business? And sort of how do you know? Is it because your team tell you or because there's no consensus behind it or what? That you don't move that business out of your sweet spot? Oh, I think um, the answer to that makes you a millionaire if you get that right. All right, okay. So <laughs> I think um, I think it's a, it's a real challenge. If you're, if you're over-ambitious, you can end up losing the business, can't you? Mm. If you're not ambitious enough, you end up losing the business. So I think it's about... It, is about it's a path, it's, it goes back to the you said about navigating that path and making sure you're doing it, but being open-minded and stuff. I think um, there was a really interesting podcast with Lord Billamore, the Cobra Beer mm. person I heard, and he said... You know, what you need to tell entrepreneurs is don't give up, but you also need to tell them to know when to give up. Because yes, that's really, you know. It, there's no, there is no, and I think the point is there's no right answer. And if you pursue one course of action too doggedly, you might, um, that might be detriment. But if you flip flop around, that's to a detriment. And that's the skill of leadership, isn't it? Mm. Trying to work out what the path is, what the route is, and what the destination is. Yeah. Um, the last one is stay positive, which so you've sort of alluded to. I think we've talked about this already, but you've alluded to the fact that you, you, you've got to fight against the tendency to go negative in your own mind. Is there a particular way you like to stay positive? I am. Um, I read a book about self-talk. So that and just re, a lot about reframing, isn't it? Looking at it and mm. trying to. If you want to improve, you know, you need the feedback, you need to look for ways to do things so it, i think it's about finding a way and being positive and the people around you make a difference isn't it you are you're you're influenced by the people you have around you so that's another mm. factor as well but it's not a it's not a straightforward answer to that is it no so what just to sort of start rounding off what is it about the east of england because you've you've you've, you've been in a position as your former chair of the lep the new anglia lep and obviously you're a leader of a, a, a major retail operation in the east of England. What is it that you think is the, the, this is going to sound a stupid question because by definition, I was going to ask, what's the X factor? Now by definition, you don't know what the X factor is, but what would you say is the X factor of the east of England? That is a, that is a tough question. I think, I think there's a, um, there's such a um, such a quandary there because there's such a combination, isn't there? You've got you've got some fantastic geography and landscape that's not replicated. You've got some amazingly big skies. So you've got a you've got an environment, and then that that attracts a certain type of people. And those people are across a wide spectrum. So you've got a diverse group, and I think that in itself is a um, is the X factor. And then you've got you know. But the, I suppose the sun rises in this in this part of the world, mm. and that's what we've got to get on the back on. We've got to take advantage of that. But I don't think I've got a answer. But there's so many. I think it goes back to the point you mentioned about the jigsaw. There's, we've got so many pieces of jigsaw, and if we mm. could, if we could put them all together, and two plus two equals ten, well, you know that's the magic. That's the magic formula. Do you think that in certain parts of the region, 
and I'm thinking particularly the rural parts, where there's some really exciting potential around agriculture, agritech, um, where on food production, we can be a, this, I keep coming back to this theme of a virtuous, virtuous, a series of virtuous circles um, between academia, uh, agriculture, farming, food, life science. Um, and do you think there is an attachment to uh, an idea of particularly, I'm going to say particularly Norfolk and Suffolk, uh, less, I mean, in Cambridge, the, their attachment is, is perhaps different, but nonetheless difficult to a, a model, a way of living that really is, is fading away and that we perhaps need to reevaluate re how we think about our places and I'm getting quite deep here, but um, and our the, the the counties, the towns, and the bits in between, uh, to re to reevaluate what what we're capable of. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think we've got to. It comes back to I think the pace of change around the world is is continuing. It is relentless, and I think you're right. I think being adaptable, and that's why we're focusing a lot more on building that capability because with that capability becomes more adaptability. And therefore, and you know, what's um, what's luck when determination means opportunity. So, you know, if you've got, if opportunities will arise, but you've got to be in a position to grasp them. You've got to be in a position first to see them, then grasp them. And you're only going to do that if you're putting your head above the parapet and looking for the opportunities. And I think that's where we need to be, we focus, we need to be open-minded. We need to, be, you know, some of the best things are where you apply knowledge from one industry to another and that's where you can get a competitive advantage i think but it's hard and mm. that's why it's not easy and that's why and when you when you factor in places and the number of stakeholders that places have it becomes even more challenging mm. i think you're right it is a very when look, you're looking at place it is a very very tough needle to thread because it's their place yeah and you can't turn up acting like you know what's best for their place. But by the same token, you have to factor in, but these place, there, there is no place we can put the pin and say, this is, yeah. this is the best this, pla this place will ever be. We have no right to do that. Um, and it can be just as much loved for someone who, who isn't here yet um, as, as it is for you. And we, we all have our places, I think, um, we all, we all live in our places, kind of, we, we hold them and maintain them on trust, as it were. We yeah, hold them in trust for future generations. But on that note, I do like to end, if I can, with a slightly left-field question. Now, for our MPs, it's usually, which other MP would you like to be most trapped in an elevator with? Because let's face it, I've been in the elevators on the Parliament and that's a highly likely circumstance. Um, but I'm not going to ask you that. I did ask the, the former head of uh, Forestry England in the region when the last time was he, he climbed a tree, and he could answer. And then I asked, followed it up with, and what kind of tree was it? And he answered that as well. Doug Field OBE, when was the last time you shopped in an East of England co-op? The weekend. And yeah. what did you buy? I think I bought crisps for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, yeah. So there's one down the road for me, so yeah. So. Is, is it always a joy going in there, one of your stores? Um, or is it a bit nerve-wracking? No, it's, it, it is a joy. It's great to see the stores. It's great to get out. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is a, I do enjoy it. So. 
Well, Doug Field OBE, thank you for, for coming on Eastern Promise. What I love about the East of England co-op and what it does is the way it embodies those principles, um, those are principles that Eastern Promise supports, can get behind, and look forward to seeing you East of England co-op grow. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Really enjoyed it. My huge thanks to Doug for his time and his support. Eastern Promise is hugely proud of the East of England Co-op and indeed all businesses in our region that seek to both embody strong values and conduct themselves accordingly. Our support of you will never be less than full-throated and the mic is always open to you. No pun intended. And now... Good friends, good food. And conversation that sparkles like wine. There are few more refined forms of human interaction than the dinner party. And it's this refinement Eastern Promise hopes to capture with the Eastern Promise Dining Club, which we'll be recording later this year. But until then, let's fold a napkin or two and check the place settings for a Vichyssoise fork on this week's... Crowd Sorcery. Yes, Crowd Sorcery. For an aperitif, let's begin with Tom Abbott of the Green Easy Sustainable Consultancy. Tom sticks with the local theme. How about former Gresham student James Dyson, Walberswick resident Richard Curtis and Dennington villager Ed Sheeran? All creative and innovative in different ways. No argument here, Tom. And plenty of local connections. Great suggestions all, as are those of Tim Robinson, Chief Operating Officer at Tech East, who offers a mix of the current crop and the dearly departed. Delia Smith, Beth Orton, Brian Eno, Maggie Hambling... Richard Ayoade, Sir Bobby Robson, Sister Wendy, Ray Fines, Brian Kant, oh, that takes me back, and Nick Kershaw. Sticking with the musical theme is Dr. Catherine Gelbert-Thick of Acuity Limited, who says, Defo Ed Sheeran, and how about Paloma Faith? Sade. I'd quite like a conversation with Stephen Fry, too. Uh, wouldn't we all? And Michelle Chambers, business development manager at Chaplin Farrant, agrees. Yes, she says, definitely Stephen Fry. Thank you, Michelle. But I couldn't not finish with the, um, turbulent suggestions of Saul Humphrey, managing partner of Saul D. Humphrey LLP, certified B Corporation, professor at Anglia Ruskin University, chair of Institute of Directors Norfolk, chair of New Anglia LEP's Building Growth Group, and a non-executive director to boot. We need some controversy slash debate, Mike, says Saul. How about your old friend and mine, Richard Bacon MP? And then ask Clive Lewis MP or Alan Waters for balance. Now, I'm not sure I'd be the right host for that sort of party. I'm, I'm looking for an exploration of ideas and the art of the possible. Uh, Dr Humphrey, however, is seeking a frisson of fracas over his first course and a jot of tension in his after-dinner tipple. I say, Saul, what if we went for Liz Truss and George Monbiot? Well, the dining club needs to start somewhere. 
here I am, at one of the east of England's fanciest restaurants for the inaugural meal of the Eastern Promise Dining Club. Yeah, yeah, I've just stepped out to speak to you and in our fantastic private dining room, I've taken Saul's suggestion and we've got the former Prime Minister and MP for South Norfolk, Liz Truss, along with writer, broadcaster and environmental campaigner George Mombio, plus a handful of guests from across the region who've kindly bought tickets to be a part of this vibrant and incisive after-dinner conversation, which Engineer 49 is recording as we speak to share with you all at a later date. Yeah. Ah, and I must say, my fears appear to have been unfounded, and the debate has been robust but respectful with very few cross words. I mean to say, Miss Truss and Mr Mombio may be poles apart on, on many issues, but they are both more than capable of conducting themselves with decorum. Because it's uh, uh, utter um, piffle, piffle to suggest that people with wi wi wildly differing views can't hold a civilised and... Uh, oh, uh, let's just uh, better take a look and... Oh, dear God, what's going on? Oh, Miss Truss, Mr Mombio, please sit down. I'm warning you. Oh, not the raspberry pavlova. I haven't had any yet. Yeah. En engineer for 49, put the pan, put the pan down. Put the pan. No, no. Not like that. I'll get a cloth. For the avoidance of doubt, no former prime ministers were harmed in the making of that spoof. Now, the real Eastern Promise Dining Club would involve one or two special guests from the region around a dinner table where the pre-, during- and after-dinner conversation will be recorded and shared with listeners on the podcast. Would-be diners will have the opportunity to purchase one of an extremely limited number of tickets to join the conversation. Or, if you wish, you can sponsor the whole table and all tickets are yours. If you'd like to be involved in the real Eastern Promise Dining Club and can offer a table or sponsor a meal, do get in touch with me at mike at easternpromise.site or visit easternpromise.org.uk and fill out the contact form, putting Dining Club in the subject line. And that's all for episode 64 of Eastern Promise. I was Mike Rigby and will continue so to be. My thanks to Doug Field OBE and all at the East of England Co-op for their very warm welcome to Worsted Park. My thanks to all my crowd sorcerers and to Engineer 49. Now, fun fact, when we're on a team outing to the pub, Engineer 49 always has whatever I'm having. As a sound engineer, he likes to see what you're drinking and then have one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. <laughs> and to you, dear listener, thank you for your company. I really enjoy having so many people listening and taking part. Next week, I'm joined by Dr Johanna Forster and Dr Ben Little of the University of East Anglia's Civic University programme where we'll be diving into what their brilliant civic engagement work means for the university and the region, as well as hearing some truly inspirational stories that have emerged from their work so far. It's a hugely enjoyable interview, and I hope you'll join me next week to listen in. Until then, bye for now.
Eastern Promise. As a Priors Croft production for the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company. <laughs>